0: Abundance of love Abundance of grace Down to that cross You took my place Oh God You paid my ransom My ransom I your love Your love You keep Abundant life. life Abundant life Christian Fellowship Church Loving God Loving people Now Here's Pastor Scott. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. I want to preach to you from a sermon titled, Can You Explain Your Hope in Christ? Pray with me. God, thank you for... Each person that's here, Father, and I pray right now, God, that you would anoint my mouth and my mind to say things that would honor you. God, I pray you'd teach us by your word. Lord, guide us by your spirit. Show us what you'd have us to know. Encourage your children, God. Save the lost, deliver the backslider, and glorify yourself is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you explain your hope in Christ? If I started, if, I, if we just went around the room, and y'all, y'all going y'all gonna to dare me and make me do it one week. Um, if I just started with Deacon Dixon and worked all the way around the back to Adrian, when the microphone came into your face and I said, All right, Ava, go ahead and take the microphone and explain to everybody why your hope is in Christ. Ava's like, I'm just a cute girl. I'm, I, I don't want to take the microphone. I'm just going to sit here and be pretty. Listen, let me pick on somebody else because y'all ain't pretty like Ava. Uh, if it came your turn and I put the microphone in front and I said, all right, explain to everybody in this room why your hope is in Christ or what your hope is in Christ. I don't think the average Christian can articulate that well. But it's our job to do it, and we've been commanded by God to do it. So I want us to spend some time together this morning uh, learning how to do what God has called us to do. I I don't want to uh, miss saying it. It didn't happen on a Sunday. Actually, last Sunday was probably closer to our actual anniversary. But this past week, our church celebrated our 22nd anniversary of being a church uh, together as Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. And I want to thank God uh, for you and for everybody that's made this a reality and a possibility. Uh, we started this church on June 6, 2001 with 15 adults and a couple of kids. Um, and we have been around longer than most will. I, I, I looked it up. I thought uh, this 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 is pretty remarkable because almost everyone that I know, I think there might be three pastors with longer standing in North Florida uh, in, as a senior pastor in their church than what we have here at Abundant Life. Twenty-two years in the same pulpit is almost unheard of. So I did some research, and, and if you Google it, don't do it now. God wants unity. But if you Google it and ask how many pastors stay in one church for 20 years, the, the, the answer comes up immediately, and it's the same across all studies. Less than 3%. Less than 3% of pastors stay in one church for 20 years or more. Most of them only stay two, two to three, four years maybe max. They taught me in seminary that uh, when, you take a, when you go to a new church as a pastor, the first year, everybody loves you. You can't do anything wrong. They're just glad you ain't the last guy. Kind of, kind of like presidents, right? Y'all y'all slow on the uptake today. But they said, first year, you can't do anything wrong. The people will love you just because you're not the last guy. Second year, you can't do anything right. They're going to hate you because you said something they didn't agree with. Third year decides whether you're staying or going. Whoever wins that battle between you and the power brokers in the church. And I, I know this for sure. I am not a top 3% pastor in this world. I'm not a top 3% Christian. I'm not a top 3% speaker. I'm not, a, I, I'm not the best of, of any of those things. The fact that God allowed me to do something that less than 3% of people will ever do in the world is not based on my ability. Um, it's just based on God's grace and the people of this church that didn't throw me away when they could have. And I thank God that we've still got a church here ministering to this community, loving God and loving people. All my heroes and friends in ministry are either dead or have quit. Uh, Y'all don't get this church to double in the next 17 months. I ain't going to be here either. That's an inside joke. Uh, Keep paying attention. You'll figure it out. I want to say thank you real quick, and I'm going to get into it. Don't worry. We're going to have lots of Bible today. Um, Appreciate everybody that prayed for my son. Uh, Jacob is a United States Marine. He was an embassy security guard, but he got hand-selected to be part of Uh, a 91-man elite rapid response task force to fly wherever stuff's breaking out uh, to embassies and consulates around the world. And uh, this past week he had to fly from Quantico, where he's stationed, to Saudi Arabia because the uh, Secretary of State was meeting with the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. I'm not sure. I need to look it up. I don't know if we got any true uh, civics experts in the room, but I think the secretary of state is either the third or fourth in line to be the president. Anybody know? It, is it third? Is fourth? Okay. President, vice president, speaker, then, then, then this dude, my son was over there to take a bullet for, um, but 20 plus hours in the air flying um, to Saudi, Saudi Arabia by way of Amsterdam, and I know some of you were praying for him um, he did have some ear trouble on on the plane, but he got home safe, and I thank God for that, and I appreciate everybody praying. I love the fact that there are Christian people that pray for my family, and I want you to know, if you'll let us, we'll pray for yours too. Everybody in this church should have already been assigned a deacon family. If you don't have one, call the church. Right right on uh, the back of that card, I want a deacon family. What, what do our deacon families do? Uh, raise your hand, Dixon deacons um thank you uh this this, this is uh deacons cedric and sonia dixon and uh, probably 20 percent of y'all are in their deacons family ministry what does that mean they have your names written down on a on a ledger and they pray for you every week and they call and touch base with you and check make sure uh, i don't know who's in the hospital i don't know who's hurting you ain't calling me and telling me nothing um i i gotta got dig uh i I, I got to you know, research to find out, but every member of our church is assigned to uh, a, a deacon family ministry where you get prayed for and you say, well, i I got enough people praying for me. No, you don't. No, you don't. You can't imagine how blessed you would be. Uh, ra- ra- raise your hand, Ken and Diane. You, you can't imagine how blessed you'd be if you had them praying for you. Ra- ra- raise your hand, Dean and Scott. That's, De- that's the deacon mills family ministry right there you can't imagine how blessed you'd be to have that family praying for you raise your hand west family over here and over here uh that's the west deacon family. you can't imagine how blessed you'd be to have these good christian people praying for you and other deacons uh and i'm just gonna quit naming everybody but if you aren't signed up to have somebody praying for you I want you to cuz I love it. I, I listen, I know who the four people in this room are that are praying for me and I appreciate you and I thank God for you and I want us to be praying for each other all the time. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, let's get into this. Can you explain your hope? We're going to be looking at this passage in 1st Peter chapter 3 today and cause it to make sense. I started last week talking to you about a theological word ecclesiology anybody remember what ecclesiology is ology is always going to be the what the study of something ecclesiology is the study of the church its form its function its setup its purpose its values its vision um, its, its governmental basis uh its its role in god's kingdom ecclesiology means the study of of the church, in all its facets, now, the root word for the Greek word uh, ecclesiology is ecclesia ecclesia and it's so hilarious. there are people out there there are pastors out there that think they're more spiritual because they say five words in Hebrew or Greek, but they 're not I, I know there's a growing group of people out there telling us don't don't call the Lord Jesus. Call him Yeshua, and they think that makes them special. I'm like, well, why are you calling Jesus Yeshua, and you're still calling Moses Moses? Because oh, your you, you, Hebrew don't run that deep. You can't figure out how to say Mose. Uh, why, why are you calling Jesus Yeshua, but you're still calling Joshua Joshua? Uh, I mean, some people think it just makes you extra special, and a lot of people that, that focus on these words. The the word, the pronunciation of the word is not, not paramount, uh, but I love this word ecclesia. Anybody want to tell the rest of the church what ecclesia means? Almost every time you see the word church in the New Testament, it's that word ecclesia. I, I want to give you the extended definition. Short definition, ecclesia means church. But what is the church? We need to know this because God said we got to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in us. And I want you to hear uh, what the literal definition for ecclesia means. Short version, the called out ones. Anybody ever heard that as a definition before, the called out ones? I'm not making this up. You can read it uh, in in any Greek dictionary or on on, on Deacon Scott's phone. But not him. (laughs) Uh, Hey. If your phone rings, ain't no big deal. If you got to answer, answer it. Uh, we're human beings in here with a life, amen. But ecclesia means the called out ones. That's that's the short definition for it. The long definition because it's an assembly. Say assembly. And any type of group of people. The the local Sanhedrin religious people in the first century uh, were they had their own ecclesia. We got Ecclesia's meeting at local watering holes every night, like on Cheers. When the fat man walked in, everybody shouted what? Norm! And Norm uh, was was glad to be in his, what, called out group of people that, that showed up at that bar. Because here's what Ecclesia means in its broadest sense. A group of special people who were called out of their homes to meet at a central place for, hear me, A very important meeting. That's what church is. It's a special group of select individuals who've been called out of their homes to gather together for a very important meeting. This is what God says the church is. A special group. Uh, You're special. I know some of y'all's mama told you you were, but God says you are too. Special group of select individuals. Now, there's a word, a theological word, that you see inside that word select that talks uh, that specifies who those individuals are. Somebody make a word out of that word select that might be a Bible word. Elect. elect. We're talking about people who are elect, people who have been chosen by God. I still haven't got over the fact that God chose me uh, to, to be his child before I even had a chance to blow the audition. Oh, somebody ought to be grateful about that. But church is not designed to be. (sighs) People people show up and sing songs. He has made me glad. When is this going to be over? He has made me. Listen. It's special. It's got a purpose. We are a unique church selected, elected, called out by God, group of people. This originally was put together for political rallies. This term has its root meaning in governmental, like a town hall. Anybody ever been to one of those? Man, uh, you grew up in Lake Asbury, right? Or your mom just lived there for a long time. Um, I remember when I first moved out on the lake in Lake Asbury, they were having a town hall at the elementary school. So I thought, okay, well, I'm new to the community. I've never been in a community that had this few people. Let me show up. There were about 50 old people there. Everybody in the room was at least 130. And and that's who lives in Lake Ashbury. Uh, And they were in there bashing progress. And this one old man who did most of the talking, he said, I'm sick of subdivision people. I'm like, well, that's hateful. What? And he said, "I remember when, the, when, when there was no concrete in Lake Asbury, and I used to ride my horse up to the store and tie my horse up on the stump to buy milk." Man, get with the new century, bruh. Um, but that that town hall meeting that that. Uh, City council meeting, that, that's the root of it. These are important people who have been asked to come to an important meeting. Now, how many of y'all are, are at least awake enough to realize the average American does not believe that uh, a, a regular, nothing special going on church meeting on Sunday is that big of a deal? But if you were called to a meeting to determine the fate of the universe... If, if, if President Biden was, was up at the library on 103rd Street and he said uh, that he had 50 people that he wanted, 100 people, 200 people that he wanted to help him decide whether or not to bomb Iran and you got invited, you ought to show up. If somebody important asks you to come, listen, if the principal of your child's school says you need to come Monday at 3 o'clock, you may as well show, beat them first, though. Get the truth out of them before you go to the principal's office. That's a different message for a different crowd. Special. Say special. Listen, I'm glad. And this is why I'm thankful that I'm almost I'll be 60 years old in a couple of weeks. I'm thankful for, for the time frame that God brought me along in. I'm, I'm glad that I grew up in, in church in the 80s. I'm glad I got saved in the 80s when we were still singing great songs And I still sing those same set of songs I fell in love to Jesus with. And I mean it with all my heart. Some of y'all feel these older songs, too. Some of y'all feel newer, newer songs. But I can promise you, when I sing to the Lord or when I hear somebody singing, when the saints go marching in, when they get to that part that says, oh, I just won't to be in that number anybody glad to be in that number today I'm glad I'm in that I'm glad he's prepared a place for me I'm glad I'm part of a group that is special that has destiny that has purpose that has an anointing and a call of God on their life and we need to not only get a higher view of who God is we need to get a higher view of God's word we need to get a higher view of our brothers and sisters in Christ we need to get a higher view of the purpose that God has for his children on this earth Because the church has been letting the world kick it around for too long, and it's past time for the church to stand up and act like the blood-bought, select group of believers that God put on the planet to run stuff. Mm. We're gonna get into some of that next week, but I'll give you a cliche that fits: the church is not the bricks and the steeple; the church is the what? It's the people. Doom, doom, doom. Mister Douglas. You back there hitting buttons? Who you pointing at? Well, he pointed at you. Good job, Mr. Douglas. Doom doom doom. Do it again. What is that? You got mail? All right. Y'all like, this is why we didn't want you streaming online, because you get distracted. I ain't the one pushing the buttons. Where are we? All right. Church is the people. Listen. People grab hold of a little truth. You might have heard this expression before. There's nothing more dangerous than someone with a little bit of knowledge. You got these freaks out there saying crazy stuff like, We don't go to church. We are the church. Uh, uh, Well, we are the church. The church is the people, not the building. But people, the church are saved people. And saved people not only are the church, but guess what they do? They go to church because Jesus went to church. Different message for a different crowd. Let me get into the, the meat of this. As Christians, we need to do a better job of understanding who God is and what His plan for us is all about. I don't know how well you could articulate uh, your hope in Christ. I don't know how well you could articulate what you think God's plan for you and his children are. But I'm going I'm to I'm give you a few highlights and we're going to get into the text. God, I believe God's first plan for all of us, first and foremost, the very beginning is salvation. It all starts with salvation. You can come to church without being saved, but don't keep coming to church without being saved. Get saved. Don't stop coming to church. Just go on and decide. I am going to be the man, the woman, the young person God created me to be and and make a personal decision. For Jesus Christ. It starts with salvation. Then it grows into total surrender to Jesus as Lord. Then, then it, grows, it goes into growing in his grace and his knowledge, discovering your spiritual gift, using your gifts and talents to serve God and each other, to reach, teach, baptize, love God, love people, transform our world by the power of God's love. And ultimately, the final end point of all of it is, is where the good is. Spend eternity in heaven with Jesus and everybody that loves him. I think, I think people, the only reason a Christian should ever be in their feelings, the only reason a Christian should ever be in their head, the only reason a Christian should ever be upset about the way life is going is if they momentarily forgot, oh, snap, I'm on the winning team. It's going to be over one day. I'm going to heaven. Ain't going to be no pain. No, hey, no bill collector in heaven, no IRS in heaven. Somebody ought to be happy. I already told you if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. But this is some of God's purpose for why he sent his son to be the head of the church. Let's get into our text. I read verse 15. Let me back up to verse 14 for some context. In 1 Peter 3, 14, the Bible says, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Uh, hey, I, I let me ask a question. Some of y'all already know. You've been around long enough. I teach re, uh, with a lot of repetition so people will remember it after they leave this place. Why would God tell his children ...that uh, they might suffer for doing what is right. Because you're going to. All Christians at some point will suffer for doing what is right. But God's promise is he will reward you for it. The Apostle Paul had a deep understanding of this. And that's why he said, I'm excited that I get to suffer for him and with him. Because it's only those who suffer with him... That will reign with him. The the Bible says, let let, let, let me stop getting ahead of myself. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Well, I don't like that, Pastor Scott. Tell me how good life's going to be. Tell me three keys to personal happiness. Tell me three keys to how I can... live my best life now. Listen, you want to know how to live your best life now? Get over yourself. Give everything to God and be thankful he's going to let you in heaven when you die. Stop looking for all your blessings on this planet. The big big news, the good news is we are going to be in heaven with God forever. If that ain't worth a little bit of, of, of persecution, and let me tell you what persecution is for most people in America. They laughed at me at school. Oh, well. Bless your little heart. Ask me after church. That that that's that's a countryism. If you didn't grow up in the deep south, you might not have the actual translation for what any, any southern uh, person means when they say, "Well, bless your little heart." Uh, you can ask me after church. I'll tell you what it means. My 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 sister doesn't talk to me as much because she says I just always talk to her about it. that ain't persecution. That's just life. What if there was real persecution? What 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 if the government said, shut your church down or we're gonna arrest you? Oh, oh so it might be. They already did that in the pandemic. I told you the pandemic was a trial run for the government to see how much authority they could exercise on us without us bowing our backs up and saying, we ain't having it. And if if it happens again, uh they they just did it this week. I don't know. I I, I personally think he's lost it, um, but he's the president. We gotta love him. We gotta pray for him because uh, God told us to. <laughs> Even after saying the pandemic was over, which I always wondered, well, why is it over? People still getting sick. Uh, y'all y'all just y'all just tired tired of all them changes y'all went through. Y'all want restaurants to be back open and all this other stuff. Anyway, after declaring the pandemic over four months ago. Uh, this week, the president reversed course and is back to masking. Um, and I ain't got no problem with masking. Oh, yep, got a mask. Uh, he had everybody coming into the White House now has to mask because they got all these sports teams coming in. And, uh, you know, he, he, I guess he thinks, you know, uh, only poor people get sick, but whatever. Um, I don't have a problem with masking. What I got a problem with is anybody telling me that we can't meet in church. And when they told us we can't meet in church, listen, we lost a lot of church members uh, because we kept having. We never missed the service due to the pandemic. We we never missed the service due to the pandemic. We didn't have anybody that uh, was attending this church die from uh, the pandemic. That's not saying that you know anybody that died from from from, the, from, from coronavirus should have been attending this church. It's, I'm just giving you the 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 recap. And if they tell us again. We can't have church. We're going to do the same thing. And I had people say, Pastor, you tell us to obey the law of the land. We're supposed supposed to be law-abiding. We are, but in Acts chapter 5, the Bible says that we ought to obey God rather than man. And when the day comes and they tell us we can't gather together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, are they going to roll up on us? We're going to gather together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they roll up on us, listen, we're going to be Dr. King style and not Malcolm X style. Trust me on that. Uh, we are we aligned with Dr. King. One, one of the reasons why we're a multiracial uh, uh, church is because of uh, m- my listening to Dr. King early in my Christianity and realizing what, what Dr. King said was true and it needed it need to change, that the most segregated hour in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And that's still true in most places. I'm glad it's not true at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. But if they decide that we can't have church, hey, I obey the law. I really do. Until it contradicts the word of God. And God said we ought to gather together on the first day of the week uh, and celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. And that's what we're going to keep doing as long as God keeps us on this planet. Three people agree. I haven't said it in a while, so I'll say it again. You don't ever have to call and wonder if we're having church because you know church falls. You know what every mega church does every seventh year when, when church falls on Sunday. Anybody know? Call somebody and ask them. They put it out in their, in their statement. We won't have church this Sunday morning, so you can stay at home and celebrate with your family. What kind of church shut down on Christmas? That's the extra special. Uh, Jesus is the reason for the season, but let's, we don't, we're not staying home because the Super Bowl is on Sunday. Uh, we're not staying home. We had church in a literal hurricane in, 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 in um, uh, the Middleburg property. It peeled the roof off, opened the doors, wind blew leaves and rain in. I called it the Holy Ghost, but I knew it was a hurricane. Um, and people were like, Pastor Scott. It's supposed to be raining really hard tonight. Are we still gonna have church? Uh, yeah. If the building burnt down to the ground and a nuclear bomb went off at NAS Jacksonville, get yourself up here. Somebody's gonna be preaching. We're not, we're not going to run from prosecution in this life. What what we call or from persecution, we what we call persecution is so very mild. If you see that black and white map in the back to the right of the banners, that, that is a map of places in the world today where people are still getting executed for converting to Christianity. Could you imagine what kind of weird twist must you have? Now, listen, my youngest son's in the room. Wave, wave your hand everybody. everybody, my if, if he decided, and he ain't because I'll kill him, but and he's already made his profession for, for Christ, but if he decided he wanted to convert to a different religion, I'm not going to help you execute him. I'm going to just beat him till he comes to his senses. But do you realize what kind of twisted religion must these people be a part of where they execute their own family members over a religious choice? Listen, that's going on. So what? Are you, what are you going to do when the government decides, you know what? We, we can't be a tolerant, inclusive, diverse, uh, equitable nation uh, and hold on to our Christian background. I told y'all two years ago that I believed I'd live long enough to see the government take the Bible off the shelf. And I'm still here, and the state of Utah has now taken the Bible out of schools because a group of parents called uh, pa- pa- Pagan Parents of America – Decided if you're gonna take our gay books off the off the shelf in schools, we're gonna take your Bible off the shelf in schools. And you're like, well, why would they be able to do that? I already told y'all years ago when I told you they were gonna take the Bible out and cancel Christianity in America, is because when you start saying we're gonna cancel all these other books, how you not gonna cancel the Bible? The Bible's not inclusive. The Bible's the most exclusive book ever. God told His followers. Go into these other villages and kill all those people. Kill the men, the women, the children, their donkeys, their horses, their cows, their pet pigs, their, their hamsters, their gerbils, everything that they've got. Does that sound kind and tolerant and loving and inclusive? Man, you, got, you better be thankful that you're not one of them ites. Y'all remember them ites? But one of them Hittites? Mm-mm. Kill them all. Jebusites, Ammon, Ammon, Oh hey, the Bible is a very exclusive book. Jesus is, listen, Jesus would not be the head of DEI for religion. Now, he would he'd be the head of social justice. He would be fighting for, for fair treatment for everybody. But Christianity is not a diverse religion. All roads don't lead to heaven. Jesus didn't say do your best and everybody gets to go. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but by me. He said, I'm the door. If anyone tries to enter in any other way, they're a thief and a liar. This is an exclusive religion that we're in, and we live in a country that does not allow exclusivity. Uh, Except for everything non christian except for everything that don't have a man involved in it. You, you can have an all-woman's golf course, but in America now, you can't have an all-man's golf course. Why? Because we got to be tolerant. we got to include everybody. There's nothing in this Bible that includes everybody. There's a ton of stuff in this Bible that excludes people left, right, and sideways. And I want you to hear me good if you haven't heard me before. And I'm not talking about the skies falling, doom and gloom, woe is me. I'm talking about... Get excited and get ready. This, this, this world experience is wrapping up. The Lord is about to come back and save us from all this. But there's going to be some stuff to go through, and will you go through it? So many people I've heard, I've told you before, people say, Pastor Scott, I love the Lord more than anything. I would take a bullet for the Lord. That's cool. That's awesome. I hope you would. But that wouldn't, it would not last that long. You, you would bleed out quickly. If if you if you know you got shot right, but the real question is not: Are you willing to die for him? Are you willing to live for him? Are you willing to live for him in a country that more and more wants to cancel Christian voices? Are you willing to live for him in a country that more and more wants to attack the Bible, wants to attack Christian values? They just did a survey of college students across the nation, and they had less than twenty people could agree with these three basic concepts. Religion is important. Having a strong work ethic is important. And they believe that Americans should be patriotic. They had less than 20% of the people say, listen, if you can't agree that religion is important, you ought to get a tattoo across your forehead that says, I'm going to die and go to hell and I'm ready. Okay? Okay. If, if you don't believe that patriotism is important, you ought to just go ahead uh, and find a place to live in that you can enjoy. And I don't even have enough time to talk to you all about the value of a strong work ethic, but I can tell you it was worth it, work ethic, patriotism, uh, and spirituality that built every decent country on the planet. And if we're not going to have these basic values as a country, we're in trouble. The day, the day is coming. It's already to the point now where you're not allowed to pray in Jesus' name at high school graduations. I told you the greatest high school graduation speech I ever heard, Dr. Homer G. Lindsay Jr., the great pastor, uh, uh, former pastor of the First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, who's in heaven now, He preached one, it's when it first started happening, it was the mid-80s. He preached at a high school graduation. And they used to always have preachers come in and preach and give invitations, lead all the graduating seniors to Christ and just tell everybody about the Lord. And can't do that now. You know why? Might offend a Muslim. You think if you go to a mosque, they're worried about saying anything, that would offend a Christian? No. Well, you can't say too much about... Christianity because you might offend somebody in the LGBTQPIAF activist double ZY alphabet community. Do you think that alphabet community is biting their tongue because they might say something that that offends me as as a heterosexual uh, Christian man? They don't care. It's coming, y'all, and you got to decide. When it gets what, what, what if your job told you you can't work here and, and be involved in organized religion? Let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus was involved in organized religion? Absolutely he was. When, the Bible says it was custom to be in the church every week. He set up uh, the whole format for our ecclesiology, and I think we're going to live to see it, but that's good news because it, 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 there's a promise involved in that. In verse 15 of our text, it says, instead. In, instead of what? Instead of what was just talked about. It was talking about persecution, it, talking about being scared and being worried about people threatening you. Instead of being like that, here's God's word to us. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Now, this is a very... Interesting wording in this verse because this concept is taught throughout all of the Bible, but here we see it very succinctly that we must worship who? Christ as what? Lord of your life. Well, what if you want to worship him as something less than Lord of your life? Oh, well, we wouldn't do that. Okay, well, can you articulate to me? Because the Bible says you ought to always be ready uh, to give an answer to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is inside you can you articulate what it means for jesus to be lord see because a lot of people want him to be savior but they're not so keen on him being lord see you people want him to be their savior so they don't have to die and go to hell but lord means boss master controller one who rules me that i bow down to are you willing to take orders from him are you willing to make his desires more important than your desires that's what the lord is slave owner boss, master, that's the only, you must worship Christ that way. So guess, guess what happens? If you don't worship Christ as the Lord of your life, then you're not worshiping him in a biblical fashion. So you say, well, how do, how do I know if Jesus is the Lord of my life? Are you doing more of what he wants you to do or more of what you want to do? You, well, I'm not sure. I never put a clock on it. Well, open up your checkbook and see where you spend all your money. Because if you, the Bible says where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Listen to your conversations. Mentally recall conversations that you have with people who are in your life. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you talk about God more than you talk about sports, family, money, and politics? Mm. We, we got to be ready. But before we can be ready about an answer, an explanation, we've got to begin to worship Christ. I love the Greek language. You don't have to learn Greek to follow God. I, I love study. I love the Greek language. It's a picturesque language. It's a, it's a visualization, imagery language. And I've told you many times, one of the primary Greek words for worship is a Greek word, proskuneo. And l- listen, any cat lovers in the room? Who's, who's a cat person, not a dog person? Okay. How many people would say, I'm more of a dog person than a cat person? Overwhelming overwhelming now some of that's out of superstition that cats you know buddy up with witches There ain't no truth to that um maybe they have been in the past but you know uh most of it is more about the difference in the personality of a dog and a cat and the the greeks called what a dog does worship the pro, word proskuneo means to lay at the master's feet and lick his hand and the image was of a dog. And if you've got a dog, uh, man, if, if you want to see it, you can come to our house. Uh, Seth's dog. If Seth gets up to leave the room, guess what the dog does? If, Se- if Seth moves from one end of the couch to the next, guess what the dog does? If Seth lays down on his bed, guess what the dog does? And here's why. And here's why, here's why the Greeks called that worship. Because this, this is how they taught what real worship is. And I want you to get this because we've been told we must worship. And if I ask you, how do you worship? And your your answer was you worship in your heart. That's not true. Worship is a verb. It's got to be done. It, 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 it's like me saying I, I go fishing in my heart. You, you, you can't. Uh, it's an action. And the Bible says we must worship. Worship Christ. So that Greek word proskuneo is an image of a dog laying at his master's feet, looking up. Any, anybody ever have a dog? If you just hang your arm off the bed, it just nose your arm, just nudge your hand. Uh, that's worship. Because here's, here's, here's why they said that's the best picture of worship they could come up with, is because the dog knows, if anything, good. It's, it's like our dog. I, I could feed Seth's dog, but I don't. Because that dog knows if anything good is going to happen to him, it's going to happen from Seth's hand. If, he, if, if somebody's going to take him out, if somebody's going to feed him, if somebody's going to go for a walk with him, if somebody's going to play uh, catch with him, uh, that, that's the master. And the dog knows my whole life's existence is wrapped up on this one person. See, cats don't do that for you. Cats don't worship their owners. Dogs worship their owners. And listen, you dog lovers. That's why people love dogs, because you want something to worship you. People say, no, Pastor Scott, you don't know everything. Never said I did, but I do know about worship. People say, I love dogs because dogs love unconditionally. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody believe that? Y'all scared to answer now. They don't. Okay, I'm a, do you have a dog? All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to light that dog on fire and put him out quickly the next ten times you see him. Uh, and then the ten times after that, I want you to kick him in his face every time you walk in the room. And the next time after that, I want you to throw him off your roof the next time, ten times you see him after that. People are like, Pastor? How many of y'all believe that dog is still run up to Deacon Dixon, jump in his lap and love on him after he set him on fire a dozen times, kicked him in his face, and threw him off the roof? No? So we gave up on unconditional love. There are some. uh, The dog loves the master because he knows every good thing that can possibly happen to me. That's total Condition. The dog is conditioned to love you because he knows you'll feed him, you'll protect him, you'll play with him, every good thing. And as Christians, we need to feel that way about God. Do you have all your meaning based in God? Do you just want to lay at his feet and and, and say, wherever wherever the Lord is is where I want to be. Y'all don't know that song. Y'all need to listen to some better music. We must worship Christ as the Lord of our life. And what's and mean, church? There's more. There's more to this teaching. You just can't stop at worshiping the Lord. And if you don't know how to worship God, get, uh, go back, listen to the messages on worship, Google worship, learn how to worship God. There, there's lots of different ways the Bible declares we can worship God. After you get your worship on, if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. So you can't be ready. By putting the cart up before the horse. You gotta get you gotta worship and you gotta worship Christ and you gotta worship Christ as Lord. Can't worship Christ as the the one that bails you out. Can't worship Christ just as your Savior. You have to worship him as your master. And you gotta be willing to say, He's more important than me. What, what what did John the Baptist say? I'm not even worthy to unlatch his shoe. Uh, he's, he's coming after me, but he's, he's greater than me. Do you really feel like there's nobody greater? We sang that song, Nobody Greater. Uh, do you feel that way? I mean, let, let, let's just, now this is going to be, you know, just performance-oriented and, and, and lame and sketchy, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, somebody tell me between Jesus uh, and, and these other people, who's more important, Jesus or LeBron? Jesus or the President of the United States. Jesus or your children? Jesus or your paycheck. Jesus or your vehicle. Jesus or the home you live in. Y'all hear all these people lying? <laughs> I mean, maybe not wholesale line. Maybe, maybe, not, maybe not full on lying, But uh, we need to make Jesus more important. Somebody say amen. Once you start worshiping, see, worship has to have an object. It can't be a higher power. You can't worship a higher power and go to heaven. You can't worship the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and go to heaven. You can't, as alaikum your way into heaven. You can't, you can't worship Judaism and go to heaven. Worship must have an object. And the biblical object of worship, listen to, listen to the smart people in the room. The biblical object of worship is who? Jesus Christ as the Lord. Do you let him control you, your whole life, your schedule? Your, your, do you hold stuff back from him? We'll find out in a minute. We're going to take an offering. We'll see. But it says once you start worshiping it right, uh, if somebody asks you about your Christian hope, you ought to be ready to explain it. And I'm going to tell you this, and we're going to get out of here. If nobody's asking you about your faith, you ain't living it right. Man, y'all got quiet. See, one of the greatest compliments you'll ever get in life is if somebody that's not saved comes up to you and says, I've been watching you. And there's something different about you. And when you get that blessing, you're going to be rejoicing in the Lord, that you know you got something that they know they don't have. And the world ought to know that we've got something that they don't. They ought to be asking us. We shouldn't have to go harass. I don't. Beg people to come to Christ. I don't harass people, nag people, Bible beat people to come. I just tell them God loves you, and as many as received him to them gave you power to become the children of God. And Jesus said if you call on his name, he will save you. I'm not selling Jesus to people. You you gotta want Jesus for yourself. Once you get all that, uh, you start living it, people are gonna ask what's going on with you. And when that happens, you are going to be blessed by the Lord to be able to. Hopefully, give them an answer about the hope that is in you. Hopefully, you're going to be able to explain to them. Verse 16 says, keep your conscience clear, period. Always pay attention to the punctuation. It'll help your comprehension. Keep your conscience clear, period. That's a complete thought. That's a complete sentence. What that means contextually is... You can do those other things in verse 15, but if you don't have a clear conscience, you're not going to be able to give a reasonable explanation for the hope that's in you. He says, keep your conscience clear. Then, when is then? After people see these things, after you worship Jesus as Lord, after you've got a clear conscience, then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. We have seen in this church what every church has seen. I had people ask me one time, Pastor Scott, why do you think so many people leave Abundant Life? I said, I've been in lots of churches. People leave every church. You left the church, you can't. they left wherever they were going to come here. Uh, it's not shocking that, that, that people come and people go, but I've, ha- I've had very few people want to tell me all about myself on their way out, but I love that. Have some courage. Be a man or a woe man. And and, and I, I've I've told them this. Don't repeat this because it's not the most spiritual way to tell people this. But I, I did I did have to tell one person this uh, because it was just ridiculous. I said, "Well, I appreciate your, what you said, but let me promise you this: I was loving God, serving God, reading my Bible every day, singing to God every day, paying tithes and offerings of every penny that comes into my life." Serving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Winning people to Christ and preaching the truth about the gospel before I met you, and I'll still be doing it after I forget you. See, that's that's not... You, you shouldn't be that belligerent with people. But the Bible does say that if people argue with the ones who are following God... They, Uh, It says, if it's not of God, it'll fail. Just leave it alone. If it's not of God, it'll fail. And then we all sit back and laugh at it and say, "We, we knew they were all stupid. But if it is of God and we fight against it, we find ourselves fighting against the very God of all heaven. And I want to tell you something, for everybody that ever left, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship for everybody that ever, ever thought, oh, when's he going to get his? I can't wait till I, blah, 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 blah. 22 years and still grinding. 22 years and still serving the Lord. 20, listen, God ain't done with his church. And as, as long as we continue to gather in his name and preach the truth about God, we're going to be here. And I hope you'll show up and grow in Christ, worship him as your Lord and have a clear conscience because people who have bad-mouthed you in the past will at some point have to say, you know, I doubted her, but, man, she sure still living it. How many of y'all know, especially if you came out of something, if, if, you, if your life was radically changed, if you gave up a lifestyle uh, when you got saved, how, how many of y'all, honestly, don't raise your hand just to, just to play, but how many of y'all can say, I know there are people out there, some of them may even be in your own family, but you know there are people out there just sitting on ready, waiting on you to fail and go back to your old junk. They're out there. Trust me. They are out. They do not want you to succeed in Christ because your love for Jesus exposes their lack of love for Jesus. And they hey but if you do what the word says, you're going to stand strong. You're going to endure. You're going to keep going. And eventually they're going to have to be ashamed when, when they see, wow, she's still staying off dope. Hmm. Maybe there's, maybe she was telling truth. He's still loving God. May, maybe they were legit after all. You need to let people see that you live a good life. Say good life. And you need to let them know it's because you belong to Jesus. Hey, don't give people a piece of your mind. I told you for years. People tell me, oh, Pastor, I almost gave my boss a piece of my mind. Don't give them a piece of your mind. Give them a piece of God's mind. Tell them what God would tell them because then they're going to realize you belong to Christ. And every good thing that's in us is God. And outside of God, there's no good thing in us at all. Verse 17 says, remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that's what God wants. ...than to suffer for doing wrong. Now, I'm out of time, and I'm not going to preach this entire verse, but I will tell you this. God said it's better to suffer for doing good if that's what he wants. And what, uh, what that tells me is there are times when that's what he wants. Times are not. But, but God might want you to suffer for... for well, why would God want me to suffer... Be, be, because the, the 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 purest gold is tried by fire. There's a purification process into this thing. The 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 smoothest piece of wood has been sanded on for a long time. And God said it's better, even if you end up suffering for the good that you do, than to suffer for doing wrong. I, I've I've seen people who who claim that, uh, you know. They're, they're, they're just going through because they're suffering for Jesus. Maybe. But if you've been out there messing up, you, you ain't suffering for Jesus. You, you sowed bad seed and it came back on you. You, you reap what you sow. And, and it's so wild. I, I see people, haters, Christian haters, that when they're going through, it's because the devil is attacking them because they love the Lord so much. But if they see you going through, it's because you're fake, phony, and fraudulent. These things can't exist all at the same time together. We need to make sure that we are the kind of Christians that um, do not suffer for doing wrong. Let me recap real quick Uh, what what I want you to take away from this. Number one, don't worry or be afraid. Some of you are plagued by the enemy in your mind of fear and worry. God consistently says, be strong and of a good courage be not afraid. Don't be afraid. I, I'm, I'm telling you this for sure. If I had to go up to the store on Melvin um, and, and, and buy a Dr. Pepper because I didn't have any, I wouldn't be afraid to walk past the nine people that was out there. Now I'd do my business and get gone. I mean, y'all know I ain't crazy all the way. That ain't no place to hang out. But... And it wouldn't even be because i 'm scared that that's just common sense, but I would have an extra level of not scared. if if we just decided that me, Deacon Dixon, Deacon West, and elder, elder Keon we' just all going to go hanging I definitely wouldn't be scared of nothing at that point i 'm like, well, they got to die first for, i'm the i 'm the preacher i mean well not not elder Keon he got to live through it somebody got to take this thing over when I die but um, uh, I, I, at least know, I, I don't know about your man, Sonia, but, but I know about yours, Nixa. Uh, you may, you may, if, if it's coming down to who's going to die in the parking lot when me and him are both standing in, I hope you kissed him goodbye that day. Cause, cause you ain't going to let him kill me. Are you, Dick? That's they, they, Hey, that's your ticket to heaven right there. Glory to God. But the moral of the story, if I got a bunch of big, strong men that love me, that are willing to die, why would I ever be scared of anything? Ain't got to be. Why would Christians be? If now, remember when you were little, you might not have had a good dad. But kids that had a good dad, they'd say this all the time. My dad can what? My dad can beat your dad up. My 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 dad's got more money. High view of dad. If you understand who God is, then it's not just it's just not lip service to say if God is is for us, who can be against us? we we got to understand, no need for Christians to be worried or afraid. I remember my oldest son, Jake, was on pins and needles. He was d- discouraged, dejected. Uh, who, who was it that had that big lead over the Patriots in the Super Bowl? Oh, he was, he was shot out. He was like, I mean, just I'm, he, he is just in love with the New England Patriots, and that game was hard to watch, but ultimately the Patriots came back and won it. He likes to watch that game on repeat. But he's not worried when he watches it on repeat. He's not not mad. He's not grunting. He doesn't have hate in his eyes. Why? Because he knows his team's going to win. If you don't get anything out of this message, get this. If you're saved, life might be hard right now. You might go through a lot of stuff. But if you're saved and you know God is your father and Jesus went to prepare a place for you, you know how it turns out in the end, and our side wins. Can you be glad for that? Don't be afraid. Secondly, and we talked about it a lot, you got to worship Christ as Lord of your life. This is not optional. If you want what God has for you, start worshiping Christ, not just worshiping him, but worshiping him as the Lord of your life. Uh, Number three, always be ready to explain your hope. Somebody's going to come up to you in your lifetime, and they're going to need your faith. They're going to need your encouragement. They're going to need to talk to somebody who's been through what you've been through because you might be the only person that can reach them. But we got to be willing to be ready to engage with people about why we believe what we believe. That's why we got to know what we believe. Number four, keep your conscience clear. Guilty conscience is killing people. It's hard to feel good about yourself when you're, when you're just do, doing dirt all the time. Listen, all of us are imperfect. We all fall short. We all sin and come short of God's glory. But don't be living shady. Don't make a lifestyle out of doing dirt. And, 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 and when you stumble and when you fall, repent of it quickly and, 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 and clear your conscience. Keep short accounts with God. Repent all day long. Number five, live a good life. I saw, I saw. How many, how many of y'all saw Saving Private Ryan? At the end of that movie, uh, the the kid that got saved, played by Matt Damon, he takes his whole family, and he's got a big family now. He's got a wife, and he's got kids and grandkids, and he's an old man. And they go to the National Cemetery in Washington D.C., which every American should go to. Um, it 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 should move you. And he sees all those men that died for him because they gave their lives so he could get back home. And he looked at his wife, and he was sobbing, and he said, baby, tell me I've been a good man. He just wanted to know that because of everything everybody had done. Listen, you might not feel like you had the best mom or the best dad, the best preacher. You might not have the best life. You might not have the best children. But you ought to be willing to live a good life for all the people that God put in your life that ever did a nice thing for you. The Bible says that people that have, that there's a great cloud of witnesses in heaven that are watching. Live a good life, Christian. And lastly, don't suffer because you did something wrong. If you're doing something wrong, Stop it. Just stop it. Just, just make better choices. Just decide, I am going to begin to be who God wants me to be. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Make the best choices you can. Position Jesus as the Lord of your life, and I promise you, you'll never regret it. You will never regret it. Some of you need to put God first in salvation. If you're not saved, you don't have to walk an aisle, pray a prayer, shake somebody's hand to get saved. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. Some of you have tried that many times, and you're still not saved. Why? Because the Scripture says you'll only find him when you search for him with your whole heart. If you're not sure about your salvation, ask God to save you today and start, start investing in your own spirituality. If you are saved, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start being awed at God created you to be you waiting on them they waiting on you he's waiting on y'all let me tell y'all what Victor is a good humble man Confide. say amen I'd have threw something at him and said hey Victor ain't to throw something at him tight don't suffer because you did something wrong. I really, really, really I'm going to sit down because my back's hurting. I really want to see you blessed by God. I want to see you flourishing in your relationship to God. We're not the best church in the world, but this is the church God brought us to. By his divine sovereignty He pulled us all together from different backgrounds and different places into this one church. And I'm asking you, let's get serious about worshiping Jesus as Lord. Let's get serious about loving our brothers and sisters. Let's be thankful. Church is a place where you can come and use your gifts and talents for God. Where you can find encouragement and acceptance where you can learn and be taught. And I want you to give it, give it everything you have. One poet said, one day soon this life will be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Nothing else matters as much as worshiping Jesus Christ and getting to know the God who loves you more than you could ever imagine. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us thank you for your word. God, I pray that you'd save every lost person in this room, and I pray you'd fill every saved person with the Holy Ghost, and let us have an urgency to honor you, to serve you, to give you glory. Thank you for this church, God. I thank you for bringing us all from where we came from to end up here, and I ask that you'd help us to love each other, and to love you the way we should. In Jesus' name, amen.